Hey guys, this is Pete, and you're listening to a Fat Guys in Little Coats production of Running Up the Score here on BrothersInArmchairs.com. I'm Pete, and I'm with my partner in crime, Tom. Hey, here I am. Hello, hello. <laughs> you there, Tom? Make sure you're there. All right. Like, oh, silence. I guess I'm talking to myself. Uh, so how's it going, Tom? Uh, everything is good. Um, looking forward to the start of the college football season the nfl season uh everything is just getting getting close now so yeah, i'm so ready let's, to go. let's kind of talk about that we're gearing okay so right now we're in the middle of a, a baseball has a ton of pennant races going on here um now you know many people say well the yankees and red sox that's kind of over indians have like ran away and hid with the uh the twins but i still think you know i think it's interesting with the Yanks in regards to like the wild card, and and now that the, uh, the Red Sox Chris Sale is injured again, is there a possibility that the Yankees could catch these guys? No. Well, that's real thinking positive. I'm glad you thought about it too. I mean, yeah, you, know, you could think like a second or two and say, yeah, well, I don't know, but no, no, no. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I I think there are some players uh, on the Red Sox team that as long as they stay healthy. Uh, you think about J.D. Martinez, the years he's having. Uh, that lineup up and down is just going to score, you know, run after run after run. Now, they have run into a bit of a of a lull here with their run scoring. But overall, they're kind of like the Yankees. You know, the Yankees have been averaging a ton of runs as well. Yeah. Um, but I think as long as the as long as they don't have what happened to the Astros happen to them, where the Astros have lost so many of their offensive weapons that it's made them very mortal. Uh, and you see what's happened with that race. Now the A's have caught them and uh, now it's going to be a dogfight to the end. And I honestly think um, the Astros are, are fighting for their playoff lives right now. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. The, now, like I said, we talked about the Red Sox Yanks, obviously Yanks are nine games back. Um, the Indians are 13 games ahead of the Twins. So those two races are kind of done. But then AL West, and now we know the wild card. So let's just say the Yankees, they have a seven-game lead uh, over the second wild card. You know, the one team that's out of the, the wild card. Um, so the, your other wild card's coming either from the A's, the Astros, and the Mariners. And right. the Astros, what, they have like a six- or seven-game lead on the A's at one point in time. Right. And the A's are, you know, again, money ball. I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but uh, they've come out of nowhere. I mean, they were, they started off pretty bad, too. Yeah, yeah. They're the team that kind of everybody forgets about. And unfortunately, when you live on the East Coast, it seems like you don't know a lot about the teams on the West Coast. I mean, how many Mariners games do you watch in a year? How many A's games do you watch? How many San Francisco Giants games do you watch? I watch a lot. Of, uh, I watch a lot of Dodgers. I will say that because I have the the baseball package, and the Dodgers are kind of like my second favorite team. But okay. yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, people on the East Coast are ten thirty at night. The game starts. I, I'm going to bed. Or I have to go to work. Right. You know. Yeah, I, I think uh, the A's have um, they have a lot of good players, just not a lot of really celebrated players that, that you hear about. They're not household names. And yet, uh, I mean, again, Altuve is now back for Houston, I think, as of tonight. Um, I think Springer's probably another week, maybe, from being able to come back. So I think they're going to have enough back in time that if they put things back together, 
they could still secure the wild card or even secure the division. Uh, but it just goes to show you that depending on what pieces of those puzzles are gone. Uh, but I don't think, you know, Chris Sale, he's definitely a dominant pitcher. No doubt about that. But he also pitches once a week. So, well, here's the problem with that, though. Let's just say this thing is an, it's, appears to be a nagging injury for Chris Sale. You get to the playoffs and he can't pitch. You know, now he's pitching, you know, on three or four days rest. And David Price has not exactly proved in the, in the playoffs that he can win games. You know, and let's just say the Yankees do get to the – they go to the wild card and they play. You know, I'd be scared to play the, a, the A's or the Astros. But let's say they do win that game. You know, we're going into Boston for a five-game series. And without Chris Sale, I like the Yankees' chances better than I, I do with them having Chris Sale. Oh, no no doubt about it. You know. The playoffs, playoff scenario is definitely different. When you're talking Sale would probably be starting game one and game four. Um, yeah, definitely a difference maker in that scenario. But I think getting to the playoffs, I think they can afford to be cautious with him let him come back kind of on his own time. You hope that you don't have another you Darvish kind of a situation uh, that the Cubs have hanging out there right now where uh, I don't know if you saw it, but you did a single a rehab start this week and made it through one inning. And now he's probably going to be shut down again. Yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, it's you're right, and hopefully Chris Sale have to be shut down again. Uh, <laughs> the one thing about the going back to the A's, I mean, yeah, you mentioned they don't have any, uh, you know, quote unquote, you know, named players, but they do have the real Chris Davis there. So uh, that's true. You know, unlike uh, the Orioles, who are seventy five million games out of five uh, out of uh, first place, um, you know. They have some young talent. Like, the A's have always done that. Like, it always seems like the A's have young talent but just can't get over that hump, you know. And, again, if they win the division, they're playing the Indians. And I don't think the Indians are uh, unbeatable. No, no. I don't think there's any team right now, and I think we may have even touched this during the last podcast, I don't think there's any team that just stands out so much. Like, man, these are the the guys that – that are going to be really, really tough to beat. I think it's a pretty even playing field once any of these teams get into the playoffs, uh, which I think will make for an entertaining playoff series. Yeah, you know, it's not—it's not like watching. Uh, uh, and and I'm not a basketball fan, obviously, but it's not like watching Golden State going up against the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs, where you go, okay, is it going to be four games or five? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not going to be that way. I think any of these teams meeting up is going to be entertaining, and and uh, you may see a lot of six- and, and seven-game series, I think, going down to the wire for sure. Yeah, so like in the American League, I mean, it's pretty set. We have two teams that are definitely in there. Maybe the Yankees as a third team. We have one division race with three teams, and then the other the winner, the other t- the other winner of that division – one of the this first loser basically will go into the the wild card game probably against the Yankees in New York. Uh, so you have the Astros, the Athletics, and then the Mariners are three and a half games behind them. So let's see if they have the gas. The National League kind of like has a all all of the divisions are really up for grabs. Still, I mean, we talked about this on other podcasts, and you know, and you've made your prediction, and I also made my prediction, but the Nationals have just like dropped out of this 
this race where it's now it's the Braves and the Phillies. Yeah, and it looks like the Nationals are now going to turn into sellers. Um, and, and it looks like they're about ready to... I mean, the trade deadline may be over, but they're. I think they got rid of uh, Murphy today. Um, I think they're they're going to look over the course of the next few months to uh, dump some of their payroll and kind of start over. And, and it's really a shame. I, I think a lot was expected out of that team. They weren't expected to be a dumpster fire this year. And yet, for whatever reason, um, it, it's not like they had injuries like they've had before. I mean, their pitching staff seemed to – they still have Scherzer. They still have Strasburg. I know he was off and on injured, but um, – I'll tell you what happened with them. They fired their coach too early. I mean, they were in the playoffs two years in a row, and they and they got rid of the guy because he wasn't getting over the hump. You know, they think grass is you know the grass is greener, right? But um, you know, they bring in this uh, who's coach of form now? I can't remember his name, but uh, it's like you know Matt Williams was there, and Dusty Dusty Baker was there, and they right. were, and they were winning, and you you know you kind of ruined the, you, you disrupted the apple cart with changing the manager, and. That kind of like I think that's kind of like stirred them the wrong direction. Now, in fairness to them too, as as well, no one expected the Phillies and the Braves to be having this good of season uh, to this point. I mean, you know, we thought they're going to be, you know, as they say, a year away. But I mean, they've been playing great baseball. Yeah, and it also helps that they play the Mets and the Marlins, you know, a bunch of times. And that's another team that I thought was you know going in the right direction. The Mets. And now they're they're uh, 15 games out. They're 16 games under 500. And Mickey Callaway, who you know they started the, out of the gate 12 and two. Now people are thinking, what is going on with the Mets? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you mentioned the Orioles. How are you possibly? What is it now? 51 and a half games back, or something in that? Yeah, 50, 50 and a half games back. <sighs> 37 and 88. I've never, I can't remember a season this bad for a team. And it's, I mean, they're the worst team. And the Royals are 38 and 87. But, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's the, it's the Royals. I mean, but they just won a World Series two years ago, too. And you're like, how does this happen where they talk about parity in baseball? And, you know, these two teams have just really pooped the bed. Wretched. Just wretched baseball. Um, but, you know, the, the Orioles have long since suffered from not being able to pull the trigger like Houston did. You know, Houston making it to the to the World Series, uh, being as good as what they are, kind of building a team. That all came from years of suffering because they were willing to dump all their payroll, go with young kids, develop, develop, develop. And it's hard for a team to do that because they don't want to sacrifice current seasons. Mm -hmm. And I think the Orioles have long since had trouble uh, with the concept of not having the fans as strong for a few years because they need to, to build it back up. Now imagine if they do what Houston has done and four years from now, they have an amazing team. You know Camden Yards will fill up every single night and and people will be loving baseball there again. But when they do this half-butt approach where, okay, we're going to give guys like, you know, Chris uh, Davis this stupid contract 
and now they can't get out from underneath it. And and they've done that for years. They did it with Albert Bell. They did it with Bobby Bonilla. They did it with you know. You can just name on and on and they on. They just made. They they decided to stay with the wrong people. Where like they've, you know, they should have spent the money on Nick Markakis and left in there. You know, um, yeah. I get the Chris Davis thing and the fact that he was you know when they when they signed the contract. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they just continue to compound mistake after mistake after mistake. And I feel bad for Buck Showalter, who is a great manager and just doesn't seem to like get the things that he needs. It's ownership. It really is ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, you know, so in the National League, again, we have, you know, like we talked about the American the National League East, the Central, we got, you know, three teams kind of uh, vying for it. The Cubs have finally taken a somewhat of a lead with three games over the Brewers and Cardinals. But, uh, you know, and the Pirates were pushing there for a little while, and they've kind of fallen off the pace. Again. Uh, again, as usual. And I think they the most fear. I think the most interesting race is both in the West, the National League West and the American League West, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and Dodgers. I mean, really, you know, almost at 70 games each wins, uh, it's if that's going to come down to it. And if, you know, I think the Dodgers are playing a lot worse than they should be playing. I know they had that stretch where they won like 25 out of 30, but still they're 67 and 59. And the team that they have, they should really be, you know, easily with 80 wins at this point in time. Yeah, the team I wouldn't want to face would be the Diamondbacks. Yeah, they're scary. Yeah, they are. I mean, they hit, they pitch. Uh, I mean, they have a pretty complete baseball, and I think that's, again, because we don't see a lot of West Coast baseball unless you you know have baseball packages or you stay up late. Um, I think they're one of those teams where a lot of people are going to think, hey, you know, where did these guys come from? But they're a good baseball team. Yeah. All right, so sticking with baseball, uh, one of the things that happened over the last week or two – um, and I can't remember how to say his last name, but Jose Arena, Arena, who, uh, who hit Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah. Um, yeah. because he hit three home runs that game. Is that kind of like the the storyline there? I think it was the game before, oh, the right? Game before, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he got. S- the, I, I think it was the first pitch of the night he drilled him with. Yeah. So he got a six game suspension for drilling uh, Ronald Acuna and. Uh, because he hit home runs the day before. Uh, so what do you think about these unwritten rules in baseball? You know, hitting another player after they hit a home run or, you know, they slid they apparently slid in too hard. Um, what do you think about that stuff? I think it's part of the reason why baseball is stuck on stuck. Um, there's too much of that where, where modern day uh, – just in modern day baseball, it's not – it's not necessary. You know, I don't think it proves anything that he throws at the guy. And by the way, um, and, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what your opinion on this on this. I think suspending pitchers is kind of a ridiculous thing it's because you, you suspending for six games, he's going to miss what one start. Yeah. I've always said this, you know, I think that you need to suspensions kind of need to be, Depending on who the player is, if you're the if you're a starting pitcher, if you hit someone, you're going to suspend them for six games. Then it's, you know, it's two starts or three starts instead. You know, it's it's ridiculous. These six games, yeah. So he's he's missing one start. Really, the only thing is that now you have your one guy short in your roster for for six games because you can't throw him. You know, make the kid not pitch for. 
not pitch for two weeks. Now, you know, especially when the kid got hurt, the, the batter got hurt and left the game. Right. You know, it's, you know, I, I get they want to keep consistent because, they, you know, if a player does it, then they're straight six games, seven games. I'll tell you where I think the, uh, the Major League Baseball's really, like, dropped the ball is when these guys get do something in the playoffs and they don't get suspended until the next year. Right. You know, I agree. Alomar spitting on the on the umpire uh, last year. Uh, Correa wasn't he doing the the slant eye thing? Uh, yep. uh, uh, okay, why is that acceptable to happen nowadays? You know, all the with all the stuff that's going on in this world, that was kind of like left on the back step. And he's like, okay, we get suspended for the first games of the uh, of the regular season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because because they don't want to hurt the rest of the team. Well, it's not the suspension that hurts the rest of the team. It's the it's the man who got suspended that is hurting the rest of the team. To me, there's no accountability if if the the player didn't think and didn't control his actions and got suspended for the first part of the playoffs. They, no one should point at the league at that. They should point at that player and say, listen, this is what happened and this is how you pay the consequences and not to be one of those old guys but you know if if my parents knew that i had something really important that night and i got in trouble that day not only did they not say listen we're gonna let you go that tonight but you're gonna start your punishment tomorrow it was you know what you did you just screwed that up for yourself tonight and they made an example out of it right so, and that's what stopped the behavior. Well, you know, it would aggravates me more than anything else is that, like the Correa situation especially, you know, we have players that are abusing their wives and doing all these things. We have racism. But this guy does a, does a racist act and it's kind of like, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, and, and he gets four games at the end. Of the, that's what aggravated me the most about this stuff. Yeah, and I think, um, and and this but kind a, of a guy a guy kneels and he can't come back to football, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Right, right. Well, yeah, to segue right into Urban Meyer. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think I think that is something that we're going to see. We are about to see that happen, in my opinion. Uh, all the reports are showing that unless something changed tonight, all the reports were showing that he was going to probably have a suspension, but considered time served. And he may not miss any regular, regular football. Um, and, and somehow they're going to consider that to be a punishment. Do you think Penn state fans are going absolutely nuts right uh, now? Uh, and, and to me, and, and not that I'm just, I'm not an urban Meyer fan. I'm not an Ohio state fan. However, um, isn't this sort of indicative of what we see where, it does not depend on what you did. It depends on how important you are to that particular sport or that particular team. You can't tell me that if this would have been West Bumfield State, that that coach wouldn't have been out, bounced. And you know what? I'm a Florida State fan, but you know the same thing happened with Jameis Winston. You know the same thing happened um, in many other teams and arenas where somebody did something and had they not been the star of the team, had they not been the millions and millions of dollars head coach, et cetera, et cetera, 
they'd have been bounced. They well, you know, we have to make an example of them. Yeah, you make an example of them because they ride the bench. Let me ask you this: If it's Jim Harbaugh, you think he's he's getting fired? Um, I the only reason why I might say yes is because I think Jim Harbaugh is kind of on the hot seat anyway. Okay. Um, so that kind of sways my opinion a little bit, but I think if this were Dabo Sweeney, if this were um, Nick Saban, no, no way. What do you? Th- what? Do you, uh, and I, I hate to bring it up this way, but let's. What if it was a racial issue with Urban Meyer? You think he's gone? Perhaps. I think. It, might, I think if he that, was beating his actual beating his wife, I think he'd probably be gone. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get some of these decisions that the none of these leagues can make. You know, have just rules that say this happens. You you this what happens to you. Uh, it's unfortunate because I think the only person that really gets hurt here is the wife of uh, of Zach Smith at this point in time. Sure, sure. It, it it sends just such a terrible message that it's a negotiable item. That it's still a negotiable item. Um, and, and it should never be, you know, that kind of, that kind of stupidity, that kind of, uh, uh, degrading of another human being should never be considered. Uh, it should be dealt with swiftly. It should be dealt with harshly. And, um, there should be a, me- you know, this is a great time to send a message that if you know about it and you still do nothing and you help to perpetuate it. Um, it's going to affect your livelihood, and you're you're going to have to answer for those consequences. Do you think Urban Meyer's answering for that? Yeah. If if they if they truly do a suspension with time served, yeah. You know, to me, it's almost like um, and and I, I hate to draw comparisons because I don't think there's much that compares to that as far as an ugly act. Um, but to me, as far as a lack of consequences, you think about uh, like NASCAR where I know that in previous years there were guys that were at the end of races that were running to each other's pits to punch and beat the shit out of each other. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Beat the crap out of each other. And then NASCAR would come out and say, well, you know, it was boys will be boys, or we're going to fine him $10,000 for his actions. Well, $10,000 to that NASCAR team doesn't mean anything. And, or, or the other joke was always, we're going to put him on probation, quote unquote. No, if you really wanted to punish the act, you would do something where it hit him and it hit him hard the first time. But because you don't want to affect the livelihood of the sport, you make up some stupid excuse that is supposed to sound good, but means nothing. And that's what they're going to do with urban Meyer you know, uh, Saban, when he had two players, what, that got caught with marijuana and a gun. And what was his reply? His reply was, we're going to handle that in-house. Yeah. Which is code for, we're not going to do anything and it's none of your business. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's a sh- and it's funny because, you, know, th- you know, I thought at the point where the, you know, the NFL started, like, when Tom Brady got in trouble, which I think four games for what he did – or supposedly did, I think is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, considering he got four games for a ball and, you know, Ray Rice got two games for dragging his wife out of a, out of a, out of a uh, elevator and beating her or whatever. 
uh, yeah. which was then fixed. But I mean, just think about what we're talking about here versus something else. You know, it's there's no consistency. Now, uh, I don't know, and I know that you uh, you uh, love love this guy, and he just left your team. But uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, he's in the news now with uh, a former Texas player, Texas A&M player, uh, Santone. Santoni, Santino, uh, I can't even say his last name, uh, accusing Jim Fisher's team for committing NCAA violations. You, are you uh, up on that? I actually did not hear that, so I'm intrigued. All right, so uh, I was going to ask you about it, to be honest with you. But really what they're really talking about is um, that uh, this player was given hundreds of dollars in cash by assistant coaches to host recruits for unofficial visits um, to conduct off-season workouts that weren't supposed to be, as well as other, like, you know, women things, you know, hiring <laughs> women to do things and stuff Escort. like that. Yeah, escorts. So uh, I didn't know what you thought about that, if you heard anything about that. Is is that uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, past biting them, or what do you think? Well, uh, now, are they saying that this happened – in the short time that Jimbo has been there? No, this is uh, prior, oh, 2017, uh, before the recent, before leaving the program. Uh, so I'm assuming that means why he's there now. Oh, okay. Well, I I, I hope so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds personal um, to me. <laughs> it, it is. I, I'm, I'm so disappointed uh, that, that Jimbo left. Although... Um, I think, first of all, for the Florida State program, I think maybe um, it was a situation with him where I don't think his style exactly matched the college game, especially at Florida State. Now, I don't know of any sort of um, issues that he had personally, other than the fact that he was an, uh, an, an avid supporter of Jameis Winston, and I think he probably went a bit overboard when it came to uh, his defense of Jameis, even in the face of pretty much knowing that Jameis did some stupid things. Um, um, but other than keeping Jameis on the field, I don't know that there was anything that went on that was untoward when it came to Jimbo. Now, did he go to Texas A&M and there's tremendous uh, amount of pressure that is on him to produce and produce right away, so he turned his head to some stuff. I could see that. Sure, I hope he did. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, you know, college football is coming up. You know, all these black clouds, but it doesn't. I don't think, unlike pro football, these black clouds don't seem to like follow college as much. I think the biggest scandal that I remember is obviously the Penn State piece. So, um, you know, what do you think? Think that. Well, you know, there's a, what, a hundred and, how many are there now? 120, 130 almost uh, college football teams. Yeah. And at all different levels, you know, there's, uh, uh, Bowling Green is not going to go into the season and win a championship, uh, you know, a, a national championship, but. There goes my pick. There, <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Uh, but, you know, they, they are hoping for the MAC championship and, and there's so much for these guys to play for that that's what I like about college football, that you don't have to have one team or one scandal does not a league make. 
there's there's a whole nation full of teams and full of fans. Uh, some programs are extremely good uh, that don't have these kind of issues. You know, you and I know from from traveling to different games that um, you know, like for instance, going to a Navy game and the things that we saw there and um, how wonderful it was, the pageantry and the um, the the uh, what what am I thinking? The traditions and so all those things are enjoyable, whether Urban Meyer is a jerk or not. So I don't think college football quite depends on a single entity or a single thing the way I think the NFL can get caught up in, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So one of the other intriguing stories in the college land is uh, the backup and starting quarterback situation in Alabama. So what do you, what do you think of that situation going on? Uh, and obviously Nick Saban doesn't talk about much about it uh, in the media. No, I think uh, it, it'll be really hard. You know, I think Jalen Hurt is still a tremendous athlete. And it would be hard to not have him start for your program. And and what a luxury it is for Alabama. And I was just talking about this with some coworkers. There, I, I work with somebody from Canada who is not quite hasn't been watching football as long as the rest of us. He's a sports guy, but of course he's more of a hockey guy, but he's just gotten into football over the last few years. And he looked at us and he said, why is it every year that Alabama is so good? What, what do they do different? And my answer of course was they cheat, but (laughs) no, uh, you know, it's that winning perpetuates winning. And so here you have, guys that might not get a ton of playing time that are still going to go to the NFL because they develop players, they have great facilities and all that. So what a luxury to have two quarterbacks that probably any other, any other team in the nation would salivate over or almost any other team in the nation would salivate over um, and, and have to choose one of them. What, what a terrible so who do you think will start? Oh, I think it's going to be the kid that finished the game. I can't say his last name. They call him Tui, right? Is that what they call him? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be the starter. I think uh, I think he's earned his, his stripes by bringing them back to win that that game. Um, again, but like you said, Jalen Hurts, he could have been easily just said, you know what, I'm, tra- I'm transferring, but he's like, I'm going, to, I'm going to fight for it. And, again, you don't see a lot of those – uh, a lot of the quarterback, uh, you know, Alabama's kind of like a pro team, to be perfectly honest with you. So it's one of those teams where, you know, you the battle is going to be interesting to watch, but we don't get to see it because there's no preseason games. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be two. I think uh, Alabama, and we're going to talk about college football as we go on through our uh, – our podcast over the next few months on who's going to go to the national championship. But I, I wouldn't sleep on uh, Alabama not being there again. Uh, no. No, of course. So speaking of Alabama and speaking about football in general, do you think uh, – who's a better coach, Belichick or Saban? Oh, man. Whew. Just short answers, you know, kind of like you – know, they both won – well, Saban's won six championships, right? Yes. Yeah, and then Belichick's won five, but he's been to eight Super Bowls. Um, Saban has won six, but he's been to seven or eight. 
Yeah, I'll go with Belichick. You go with Belichick. Just I'm going to go with Belichick. Okay. Do you think it's harder to coach NFL versus uh, colleg- uh, collegiate? Probably so, because by the time they go to the NFL, they think they're entitled to everything, and now they're getting their millions. And I think the hunger may not be as great when they go to the NFL as what you know you're talking about in, in college. But the reason why I like Belichick in that question is because it seems like year after year after year, the guy has a completely different roster. He can take guys that nobody wanted anymore or guys that nobody wanted in the first place. You know, Alabama gets blue chips after blue chip after blue chip. They take four and five star guys who they must have incredible scouting because those four and five stars usually act like four and five stars when they get there. I can tell you Florida State has had plenty of four and five stars that I go, what in the heck are they even doing on the field? <laughs> Alabama doesn't seem to have that problem. They get a four and five star and it's like, wow, this guy's a monster. But Belichick, when you think about it, he actually goes away from the four and five star guys because what does he do every draft season? He trades his first and second round draft pick for eight seventh rounders and somehow he continues to build Super Bowl teams. Do you think he builds his team like a college team where he's always getting new players every year, but Tom Brady seems to be that one, that senior that doesn't graduate but can play football? (laughs) (laughs) The six-year senior that you go, how long's that guy been Yeah, why is he doing there for so long? So so speaking of football, um, we have some some news in football, obviously. I mean, uh, the return of Andrew Luck, uh, who had a very bad game, yesterday against the Ravens, but again, he hasn't played in 600 days in, in Indianapolis. So, I mean, you know, just being, getting back on the field is, uh, you know, great for him. Um, I think he helps the Colts. I just think the Colts are really young. So, and with Frank Reich, is just the first year. And to be quite honest with you, if you're Frank Reich thinking, well, I'm not even the first guy you wanted. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about that? Um, well, first of all, I think Frank Reich could probably still go in and, and play if Andrew Luck can't. Right. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a team, again, that I think, as you're saying, they're young and it's a complete rebuild. And, and Frank Reich may be the guy that is, he's always, even as a quarterback, he was sort of the steady, eddy, kind of consistent, consistent, you know, played for the team, very team-oriented guy. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't turn out to be one of those coaches that six or seven years from now we're still saying is is in Indianapolis. Yeah. So we have uh, we have Andrew Luck returning, and we get the great story of, and I'm so tired of hearing about this. Josh Gordon returns will be returning to practice soon with the Browns. Um. I mean, am I the only one that's tired of hearing about Josh Gordon and his problems and, you know, can't seem to get on the field because he's just that stupid as a person? Yeah, no, it it is ridiculous. I mean, he's known for not what he's done on the field, but what he's done to stay off the field. And at some point you would hope that that just runs its course. But again, you know, like we talked about, he's an immense talent. So he gets second chances, third chances, fifth chances, sixth chances. Um, the only disappointing thing about that is we don't get to see Des Bryant probably in a Browns uniform now, <laughs> which was my prediction. I thought he was going to go to the Browns. He almost did. Well, if he gets to the Browns, you'll draft you'll draft him first overall 
in our fantasy <laughs> draft, right? You know, I was I was just saying to somebody, you know what? He'd be a great last round pick if he ends up going to the Browns because <laughs> nobody's going to pick him until the last round. That's right. Um, but you know, I've heard little whispers about you know him wanting to go to the Patriots. I, you know, the Patriots are just nutty enough. Like I said, they take castaways and I mean, they took Randy Moss. They took Corey uh, Dillon. I mean, uh, Randy Moss didn't win, but I mean, Corey Dillon did. So I guess I, we'll see. They're nutty enough to okay. say, well, you know, maybe as a third down, you know, receiver or some crap like that, they'll, they'll <laughs> pick him up. I, I still think somebody will pick him up. I, I, I would like him and his ego to go away quietly and nobody to pick him up. Yeah, but that's not, probably not going to go away anytime no. soon. All right, no. so two other big football news uh, here. Uh, Adrian Peterson finally shows up with the Redskins. Um you know, I think is he done? I mean, is yes, he, he's done, yeah. right? Yes, Washington is where careers go to die. So I'm not <laughs> worried about Adrian Peterson. Uh, uh, right now, even if he doesn't play again, he's Hall of Famer, though, right? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, even including like the beating of the child and all that stuff, you think he still gets in? I I think so. Yeah. I you know yeah, maybe it won't be a first ballot. Maybe they'll. They'll punish him for a few years by not quite putting him in. But I think all in all, um, you know, he spent a few years as heads heads and shoulders above anybody else. Now, where does he rank in the in the the elite of quarter of uh, running backs? All time? Yeah. Not top ten. He's not top ten. I mean, ten to twenty. We can do. We're, we we always do top fives on this show. But I mean, I think real simple. The number one running back of all time is Jim Brown. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, you don't agree? Oh, no, no. I, I think so. I was just thinking of who I'd put next. I mean, Barry Sanders is hard to argue with. Yeah. Emmett Smith, I know you love him. No, not no. – yeah, they'd probably have to put him in the top five, although I wouldn't agree, but it's hard to argue. Yeah, I mean, I really think if Bo Jackson would have stayed healthy, he probably could have been one of the best running backs of all time. I think, uh, you know, it's a shame. Like some of these guys, their injuries – you know, really just like once they had, you know, he had a hit pointer and at the time, at the time of when he got it, you know, they didn't really have anything to fix. Like it was a career ender. Now it's like, you know, a six month injury. Uh, so I think like Bo Jackson, but yeah, I think Tim, uh, James, Jim Brown, top overall, probably the best running back slash actor there is out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and another player retired today, uh, Vic, Victor Cruz from the Giants. Yep. He's actually joining the uh, ESPN as an analyst. He's He started his career in 2010, uh, seven years. He's definitely not a Hall of Famer, even though he's had a couple good years. No way. No, no, no way. way, right? No, no, I no. don't see that. Now, have you watched any of the Monday Night Football games, the new the new crew? I have not. Okay. It's a disaster. John Gruden's hep. Unfortunately, he left to come here but to the Raiders. But uh, uh, your boy, uh, Jason Witten, is there. Um, I don't even know who the, the the play-by-play guy is, but I know Booger McFarlane is on the on the, Ross, on the sideline, and he seems yeah. to be butting in a lot during these conversations, yeah. during the play-by-play. So it's going to be an interesting season seeing, um, seeing those that, how that works. What do you think? Some give me like two or three uh, storylines that you want that you think is going to develop in the NFL this year. Well, I think Carson Wentz and his return. 
how how good will he be? Will he be able to get himself back up there, um, especially with the scare that they had with Foles last week? Now I realize Foles is back starting again, uh, but boy, the the whole Philadelphia city held their collective breath because they're not sure Carson Wentz is even ready to be back yet. And if they'd have lost Foles, you could have been uh, having a rough go of it for the first part of the season until you get Carson back. So I think that's one big thing is how how does Carson and and how good will the Eagles be? You know, were they a one-hit wonder? I don't think so. I hate to say that. I'm not an Eagle fan. Obviously, as a Cowboy fan, I don't want to I don't want to see them win again. Uh, but I think they'd have to be one of the odds-on favorites for sure. So how good are they going to be again, and how good will Carson Wentz be? And can anybody in that division um, compete with them this year? Yeah, so you're right. And I, I have two kind of that are related to each other. One is, can Jimmy Garofalo, Jimmy G, uh, save the Niners? Um, I, you know, again, seven games – He's undefeated, but, you know, reality is going to kick in now. Can he win? Uh, I think he's got a great offensive coordinator. And if he is successful and Tom Brady has a season where he's not good, do we see, like, the breaking of – we're already seeing some cracks with Belichick and Brady. Do we see it Do we see it finally destroyed? Yeah, it's got to happen sometime. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think Tom Brady is still – uh, have he still has the ability that he had? I still think they're going to have a good team that they've put together. I, I still see that. And the other problem is their division. Who in the world is ready to take the baton in that division? Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. And so they're going to play. It's the old Pittsburgh Steeler thing. And if there's Pittsburgh Steeler fans out there, I pop. No, I don't. I don't care. But if if you look at at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get two games a year against Cleveland, who stink, two games a year against the Ravens, who stink, and two games a year against Cincinnati, who stink. So there's six wins a year pretty much for free just by being a decent football team. New England's got the same thing. So a couple couple not-so-good non-conference games, and suddenly you're a 10-game winner. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Penn State. Exactly. Exactly. Let's play Akron. Let's play. Yeah, you want to pull up their schedule? That'd be that'd be a great thing to get me on a roll. Well, on. that's a, that's another podcast. We're going to talk about that. But um, you're right. You know, I think, and, and we're going to talk in a couple podcasts from now. We're going to give our predictions and really kind of preview the NFL. But I'm going to tell you, I think the Browns can be better than people think. Uh, I think they're going to be better than than the Ravens. I think they're going to be better than the Bengals. Well, you know, but it sounds like a lot of people are warming up to that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they're they're saying there was an article today, something about how Vegas is taking a lot of bets on how well they're going to do this year. Yeah. So my other kind of storyline, it's personal to me, is to see the return of John Gruden. I think, can he bring the Raiders back to glory? Now, it may not be this year, but um, is is he the man to bring you know to bring back? the Raiders to make the NFL great again. Because, you know, just like um, the Cowboys, you know, I think the Raiders, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Bears, if they're not good, the league's different. 
you know, I think those type of teams, if they're really good, uh, the league is definitely better for it. Yes. Yes. It's like we talked about a few weeks ago, not having the Red Sox and the Yankees for a while made baseball boring. Yeah. Now, that, now that that rivalry is back and both of them are, are good, it just seems like it, it breathes life into the league. And I, I think in football, there are, I agree with you, there are some teams that football would be really well served to see do well again. When's the last time there's been a really good Bears team? Right, exactly. You know, the, the first, right? Yeah, I think Trubisky is. Believe it or not, I think he's the real. He may be the real deal over there. I think Matt Nagy is going to be um, a good influence on him. But again, that's another uh, another podcast for another day. Um, so I mean, that's kind of like all the stories that are kind of going on in the NFL, in football as well as the rest of the league, um, as well as baseball and. And uh, I guess there's nothing. It's just those two sports that we really care about, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and by the way, the uh, the beginning of the Penn State football schedule, Appalachian State. Oh, interesting. Pitt, yeah, Pitt, Kent State, and then Illinois. Okay, so, so maybe Pitt, Pitt might be a decent game, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then then it just falls off from there, and and that's that's my knock on and, and you know and that's another good subject for a, a podcast something to get into more but when you have teams that um that put some of these terrible non-conference schedules together should it be that it it weighs against them in other words if if i'm if i'm uh alabama and i'm playing against a really tough conference schedule. Obviously, they're playing in the SEC. But let's say I put, you know, number ranked number 100, 110, and 115 and a, and a, a team that's a Division two. should that pretty much mean at the beginning of the season you lose one and you're going to drop further than if I'm a good team but I also put three really good non-conference schedule games out there and I lose one, it should not hit me as hard. No, yeah, I agree with that. So, and, Yeah, I think it would discourage some of these teams like Penn State from putting Akron on their schedule every year and just having these walkover games. Yeah, they're playing Northeastern football team. That's what they're playing, right? You yeah. Know, it's it's a shame that, it, you know, it, it, it is like that. But like you said, it is another podcast. What we are going to do, though, guys, in the next – so Tom and I – Obviously, you know, we're kind of erratic with these casts because of our schedules and stuff. But Tom and I are, are focusing on doing at least two a week. Um, you know, I'm going for surgery in the next couple of days. So probably next week we'll, we're going to do one or two. But we're planning on, on Sunday, we have our fantasy draft, right? Is that correct? Are we doing our, our hood fantasy draft on Sunday night? It is Sunday. And listen, there's no reason for you to show up. I will have the team to beat. Yeah, Des Bryant, and then you're going to pick uh, Tony Romo. <laughs> Is Tim Tebow still available? And Tebow, yeah, you're going to pick Tebow. <laughs> so we're going to actually draft that day. We're going to talk on our next podcast about that, but we're also going to do a uh, a mini draft, so to speak, um, where we're going to pick a team, but we're going to we're going to draft like we're picking a dodgeball team. So. 
be ready for that. And Tom, you'll be ready for that, right? <laughs> okay, so we're just going to go back and forth and take whoever's whoever we want in the league. Right. We're going to pick a ten man team, and okay. we're, we're going to go back and forth. Uh, we will uh, we'll we'll flip a coin ahead of time before the show starts. Who will go first? Who will go second? And we'll, we will we will do that. But we we're going to post on Instagram. You know who you guys would pick in these positions. I want you guys to send me. You know, send us on Instagram, uh, call us on Anchor, uh, and let us know your top, your two two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end. Um, we'll do three wide receivers, and then uh, a defense. So that's what eight. I don't know. I lost count. Okay, so like eight <laughs> players. I'll post it on Instagram, and we will we will discuss. We will make our picks, and we will discuss some of the ones that maybe you guys have posted as well. So look for that on Instagram. Uh, we're on Anchor. Make sure you're calling us and leaving us messages. We're on iTunes. Make sure you're giving us five stars um, and all that fun stuff like that. Now we normally do a top five. So I'm going to give this top five to Tom again. I'm going to tell him one, and he's going to answer very quickly. And, and, and I haven't prepared for this at all. He's not prepared for it at all. So I'm <laughs> going to give him – it's going to be another wrestling question. I'm going to let him have right. – because I know he loves to talk about wrestling. And yeah, I can I, do that. I don't talk about wrestling a lot with him. So, Tom, yes, I want your top five yes. wrestling world champs. From, it could be from any of the leagues, but your top five. All right. Um, so in no particular order, but I would definitely put number one, uh, the Nature Boy. All right, Nature Boy Ric Flair, who has won 16 world championships, for those that don't know. Yeah. And, and the other one, obviously, Hulk Hogan. I Never a fan, but I think you can honestly say that in the 80s, Hulk Hogan did more to bring wrestling into the mainstream than any other human being has ever done for a entertainment sport. Yeah, pretty much. I think any sport, to be honest with you, I think he's he ranks up there. And I hate to say it's going to sound like blasphemy, but he ranks up there with like the Babe Ruths and the Mickey Mantles and the Willie Mays kind of and Jim Browns of his particular sport. Yeah, he will be synonymous if if you think wrestling even 20 years from now, I think the first thing that will be on everybody's mind that at least was around at all during this time would be Hulk Hogan. So do you think, and not to get off the subject, but do you think Hogan Flair is kind of like Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams? Yeah. Or Joe yeah. DiMaggio, I mean, Joe DiMaggio? The, yes. And, and what was disappointing is growing up during that era, you know, I... When you were watching I, Ted Williams? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I remember reading wrestling magazines and it would say, what would happen if those two got together because they never had a match in their prime. So there was always a speculation who would beat who. And then by the time they met, they were both well past their prime. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't what it could have been. And I, I just imagine what a program could have been like between the two of them. Uh, it would have been, it would have been incredible. Right. All right. So then your third, fourth and fifth rest, heavyweight champs. I think you got to put Bruno San Martino in there. Okay, he, he was—he recently just passed away. Yeah, and how many years he had the uh, WWF championship or WWF? 
and really carried the popularity of of that sport for many years. Didn't get the accolades that Hogan did, right? Because it was a completely different time period. But that's I when they called it wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. That, that's that's when they actually grappled. You know, when they when they grappled on the on the mat. But yeah, I, I think definitely uh, another one that that may be underrated that I would put up there would be Jerry the King Lawler. Okay. For many years in Memphis, uh, did so much for the sport, uh, especially in that <coughs> year. Terrific champion, did it for so many years, an, an ambassador for the sport. Um, so I need one more. I was trying to think of somebody from the AWA. I mean, Vern Gagne. <coughs> Vern Gagne was another one that was a champion for years, trained wrestlers, um, really had a... He was responsible for one of the big three for so many years. Um, wrestled well into his 50s and even 60s, I think. Um, so I'll, I'll throw Vern Gagne in there. All right, good. So we got the top five from Tom. Next week we'll have some other top t- you know, top five as well. So just so you guys know, our next couple of shows, like we said, we're going to draft uh, the next show. We're going to talk about uh, our – probably talk, have some good – uh, discussions about what we drafted in the actual draft in our hood draft and maybe I can get uh, one of the guys that's in the draft to join us and talk about it um, and then the week the week of Labor Day some point in there we're going to talk about give you our NFL and NCAA football predictions we'll talk about some of the te- more teams and others in detail but really look for our predictions and then really start talking about the the fall classic as we're going to start getting closer to October's world series and the playoffs. Yeah. And this is the time of year that gets fun, fun, fun. Yes. This is uh, probably my most favorite time of the year besides Christmas. Um, You have, especially when the Yankees are doing well, football starting and I have hopes for the Raiders. (laughs) But again, I am. And just as you are, huge football fans and when we you know Tom and I not only talk about it here but we talk about it in person because there is probably five days a week where there's football on of some kind so we're usually watching at least one one of those games a day you know so if there's a Tuesday night football game college there's always a Thursday night there's always a Friday night and then there's Saturday and Sunday so I mean we're watching the games talking about the games so um, I'm excited about this, and plus with the Yankees Red Sox race, you know you don't really have a allegiance to any team in baseball, right, Tom? No, not really. Um, I, I have a soft spot for the Blue Jays just because I've seen some games up there and have a lot of friends in Toronto. But uh, no, not not really. I, I just enjoy good baseball. Oh, good, because baseball is. Uh, I think it's fallen off as America's sport, but. Um, you know, slowly but surely is is coming back again. We'll see. Football has fallen off a little bit. I, I really think, you know, right now, like we talked about before, basketball has really taken the lead just because of its its popularity with the kids. So hopefully we'll see things change soon. So anyway, you're going to listen to us running up the score with Tom and Pete on brothersinarmchairs.com. Uh, you'll find us on Fat Guys in Little Coats podcast, which is on Insta. We're on uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, 
a whole bunch of other stuff. Make sure you're looking at Tom's blog. And Tom, what's exactly the name of your blog? Uh, the blog is mywalkwithtyler.com. Uh, so, you know, just in a couple, you know, a couple sentences, what's kind of, what's that about? Well, um, my walk with Tyler is dedicated to my relationship with my son. He's 26. He's autistic. And um, so uh, just the the ups and the downs and the emotional highs and lows of being a special needs dad. Um, sometimes, you know, thoughts come to mind or memories come to mind and I write a blog about it. And uh, it's really good for people who are caregivers, who have special needs, uh, either parents or kids or brothers or sisters. I hear from a lot of people that um, just they, they use it as as a way they'll, they'll read something and they'll say, man, I I was thinking that, but I've never heard somebody say that. And it made me feel much better to to read somebody else had that same that same thing go on. So. Um, it's just to, to relate to that kind of a situation. So, but everybody's welcome to, to read it again. It's mywalkwithtyler.com. Uh, no spaces, just all, all one run on word. Um, and you know, leave a comment. I'd love, love to have more readers and more readers and, and also give that web address to anybody, friends, family that you feel like are in that kind of a, a of a role that they could use just somebody to commiserate with. And you'll find that, again, we'll post it on uh, Instagram. You'll see that uh, that as well. And we're going to even work on trying to get an Instagram for that uh, for that blog, Tom. You and I will do that together. Um, but, yeah, so look for that from Tom. Check out uh, the greatest nerd podcast on the planet, Enter the Nerd Zone with Jay and I. Uh, you can also check out another great show, Nerd and Me, with uh, John and Alan, all available on brothersinarmchairs.com. Uh can't wait to get back into the, uh, the football season, Tom. We can watch some more games. Get that basement f- finished. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And and there's only one thing left to say. What's that? Woo! <laughs> okay, brother. <laughs>